Hello, and welcome to episode two of American Scuttlebutt. Uh, it's me, Mrs. Velasquez, here with Mr. Diacunto today, who's going to talk about the Reconstruction period and the story of Hiram Revels. How are you doing, Mr. D? I'm doing really well, Ms. Velasquez. Thanks for asking. You ready? I'm ready. Yay! To new Scuttlebutt. The Scuttlebutt today <laughs> is all about um, Hiram Revels, who's just one part of the Reconstruction era uh, for the United States history. And we're going to look at a couple of words here, a couple of phrases everyone should remember. All right? Reconstruction, Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws, and the Reconstruction Amendments, the 13th Amendment, 14th Amendment, and 15th Amendment. We remember these, right? I remember them. Of course. Do the students remember them? That's, That's the, the question. That's the real question. We'll try and, you know, throw those in throughout this time period here. First thing, let's take a look here. We got Hiram Revels, African-American leader, first senator, first congressman uh, of African-American descent in the United States. But he's also the first something else, not just African-American, also the first Native American. What? Yeah, in his uh, background, I believe his mother was part of, uh, according to blackpast.org, one of our references, um, his mom uh, had a Native American background as well. Now, he's from Mississippi, uh, but was born in 1827. Got to give context. 1827, mm -hmm. he's born. 1901, he died. So, 1827. Who's the president of the United States in 1827. John Quincy Adams. That's right. JQA, John Quincy Adams. That's right. And then after that, of course, it's going to be Andrew Jackson. 1901, he's dead. I like giving context as far as He's like, dead? Yeah. No, 19, not he, he's dead. 1901, Rebels is dead. Who's, John Quincy, <laughs> not what he, okay, John Quincy yeah. Adams is way dead. <laughs> 1901, uh, who's the president then? Uh... Not Teddy Roosevelt. No. McKinley. McKinley. That's right, because Teddy will be in there at the end of 1901 when McKinley gets shot in Buffalo. So let's get back to Revels. Revels is born in uh, North Carolina to a free black parents. They were, oh, they were, they were free. They were free. They were African-American. And they're moving around. They move into Ohio. A big part of his life is uh, religion and uh, the religious... Uh, uh, Experience of African Americans probably, probably around the Second Great Awakening in the 1820s, 1830s. Do you know if he's Baptist? I do know he was, for the most of his life, he was AME, which is African uh, uh, Methodist Episcopal oh. Church. Uh, that's most of his life. He went to different churches and different uh, styles of just Episcopalian, just Methodist, combination of, of those. Um, but uh, for the most part, he was an AME minister. And little throwback from last podcast he is the second cousin to lewis sheridan leary do you know I that i don't know he, who that is neither do i. I had to research that one lewis sheridan leary was one of the men killed in last episodes <gasps> in john brown's raid john brown's raid exactly wow. he was second cousin exactly small world very small world the early American. you gotta think Amer early american history is like what is it, like a million people in america yeah there's not that many yeah they, they, they gotta know you know uh some people well in the 1850s hiram revels uh, uh you remember 1850 compromise of 1850 oh yes exactly you've got the uh california added as a free state california added as a free state uh, what else? The oh, the big thing was the was the Fugitive Slave Act, right? You know? uh, was was a, a reinstated as far as the North had to give the South the African Americans uh, that were captured, um, that were leaving and fleeing, and the other big one, of course, 
of the 1850s is the Freeport Doctrine, which, which of course is uh, Stephen Douglas, uh, part of it. He's not the only one, but uh, the idea of popular sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And the states would have to choose. Um, we talked about this last time. We have to choose whether it be free or slave. But in the 1850s, Hiram Revels is a principal in an all-black high school in Baltimore. He's a chaplain during the Civil War, mm-hmm. uh, and he even took part in the Battle of Vicksburg. On the Union side, I'm imagining, right? Yes, on the Union side, mm-hmm. which brought him and his family to settle in 1866 into Mississippi. Um, again, high levels of African Americans during that time period there in Mississippi and Alabama and the, um, that part of the uh, Mississippi, Mississippi, Louisiana Delta because of cotton production. And based on his uh, prayer, gave a prayer to the um, senators in Mississippi, the state legislature, uh, the state, the local, not federal. Um, and, and the state legislature said an interesting thing. They said that his speech was passionate, eloquent, believable, and very natural. And so they felt he would shine as an example of an African-American that, that, that should be a politician. You know, his whole life he's religious. Um, and so during Reconstruction... Uh, him as a Republican in 1870 will take over uh, the old spot by the former president of the South, who was a state legend, who was a, a senator from Mississippi, which is who? Jefferson Davis. Jefferson. He's going to take Jefferson Davis's spot. Isn't that crazy? It's like the ultimate karma. The ultimate karma, right? Jefferson Davis, uh, of course, the president of the South. Right. The Confederacy the con- during the war. Confederacy during the war, exactly. Right. And uh, so uh, now Hiram Revels is going to take over as U.S. Senator. Now, it had been like up in limbo during the, this, this spot uh, during the Confederacy uh, uh, time because of the Civil War, right? So now this is them coming back into mm-hmm. 1870. And uh, many of the Democrats are going to refuse to agree with Hiram Revels in, in Mississippi. They do not want an African-American. Now, they're not saying it's because he's African-American. They're saying really it's because he's African-American and a loophole in the Constitution saying that the 14th Amendment, now again, we've got to talk about the amendments, the 13th Amendment in 1865. What well, can you tell us about that, Ms. Velasquez? 13th Amendment to the Constitution abolished slavery. That's right. And so uh, no more slavery in the South or the North anywhere in America. But the 14th Amendment, the heart and soul of the Constitution, is one that uh, defines citizenship and also says that African Americans, just like everybody else, must be treated equally. All American citizens must be treated equally. Mm-hmm. So you come into this issue of, well, when do they become a citizen? Uh, if they're naturalized, uh, it would have to be, or if they, they were all born, but when they were born, they weren't citizens. They were slaves. So now that they're naturalized, does that count for constitutionality? Does it count for, do they have to be citizens for nine years first before they can officially be uh, in government? Right. This is the loophole that the technicality of the Democrats in the South were hoping to keep and block African Americans from uh, becoming senators. Regardless, one man comes to the aid of Hiram Revels to speak highly, and, and in doing so is really not just doing it for Hiram Revels and Reconstruction, but really doing it for all African Americans to have a vote and have a place among uh, American uh, pol- politics. One man who was, of course, beaten <laughs> down in the 1850s in the, uh, in the Capitol building by Preston <gasps> Brooks, for his uh, beliefs, this northerner from Pennsylvania. Do I you know who, who this is. Who's that? Charles Sumner. Charles Sumner. Exactly. And uh, he argues for the admittance of uh, Hiram Revels as, as the Senate. Um, 
Because, of course, the radical Republicans, this is another phrase we should remember. Radical Republicans. What's that? Radical Republicans, uh, they were more extreme uh, during Reconstruction. They wanted to make sure that uh, African Americans had guaranteed rights in the South after Reconstruction, that the South would not take away their rights now that they were free. Uh, they wanted strict and harsh punishment of the Confederates after war. And in order to rejoin the Union, the radical Republicans wanted to make it very difficult for them. They had right. to give up a lot. Whereas the Democrats were a little more uh, conciliatory. I don't know what yeah, the right word is. They, that, they, they, they were like, okay, just say you're sorry and you can come and join us again. Exactly. Yeah. Now, in 1870, when Revels comes in, I mean, a new amendment has been created as well, where African Americans federally, um, all, over all the states, could now vote. You know, the 15th Amendment grants African Americans the right to vote. Revels himself had voted in Ohio originally, and they were allowed to vote um, in the North for years. But now, as the states come back in, these, these southern states, Florida is going to be one of them that comes back in um, as well, um, have to grant African Americans part of the Freedmen's Bureau and during Reconstruction, mm. grant them the right to uh, to vote. But the Freedmen's Bureau also said that they had, that all the states had a responsibility to teach and, and educate African Americans, not just treat them as refugees and, and um, nourish them and give them shelter and jobs, uh, but also um, look out for their future and their future in, in a world where now African Americans can, can truly be equal and have open opportunity to, to work uh, as well as leisure activities and, and church. In this case, Hiram Revels, a, a, a preacher uh, of the AME church. Well, getting back to the story of Revels, interesting you said about Sumner being a radical Republican, wanted to punish the South. Revels, a, you know, a born Southerner, moved to Ohio, but come back as Mississippian. Um, is not necessarily seen as a carpetbagger. That's another key word we need uh, to look at. Carpetbaggers. Right? What is a carpetbagger? Carpetbaggers, uh, they came from the north to usually run for office in the south. Yeah. They kind of, the way the south is viewing it is they're kind of taking advantage of how bad things were in the south for their own profit. Sure. Um, and, and many of these carpetbaggers were African Americans that were coming right. in because now you have opportunities for politicians like a, like a Revels uh, to uh, represent uh, their kind. You know, in places like certain parts of South Carolina, it's going to be ninety percent African American in, in in the counties. You know, we talked last time about um, Eatonville in Florida mm -hmm. being a large uh, percentage because you've got segregation, of course. So um, Revels, however. You know, he's only really that Senate seat is it's only for a small amount of time. They've only got a year really for him to be in there, and then he'd have to run again, which he doesn't. You know, he only stays in there for a year. But what he's known for is voting for amnesty and a full pardon of all Confederates. Wow, that's very nice of him. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, and from things I, I've read from the uh, blackpass.org, and also uh, I took some of my information from uh, the house.gov, which had this information on, on Revels himself. You know, the belief was he felt that the only way to truly be unified um, is uh, for all to come together and not seek out uh, punishment for these people um, and, and instead uh, look positively towards the future uh, in a way where all can be equal and united. That reminds me of Lincoln, Lincoln's Reconstruction Plan in a way. Right, how so? Lincoln to wasn't like the radical Republicans. Uh, he was willing to be nicer to them, to make, but not not because he felt bad for them, but because he wanted unity. His ten percent plan only ten percent of the voters had to approve of, um, make, take an oath basically of loyalty in order to bring that state back into the union. 
Yeah. Compared to the Radical Republicans' plan, where they wanted it to be super difficult for those states to be brought back in. Um, and he always said that the goal of the war was to reunite the country. Eventually, he'll kind of shift his objective to slavery, but he always said that his goal was just to reunite the country. So it reminds me of him in that way. Yeah, very similar. And I think he took his cue from that. I couldn't find anything where it was, it was a direct reference to, but I think you know the idea of Lincoln as um, promoting that image probably inspired a generation of people to continue that. Um, again, like I said, Rebels only lasts a year. 1871, he leaves the Senate. Uh, other African Americans are going to follow along uh, in the footsteps. Um, and he'll become the president of Alcorn State University in Mississippi um, and taught theology until his death in 1901. Now, interesting, you know, we get to the Compromise of 1877, which ends uh, Reconstruction. Um, where at that point you saw African-American voting from 1870 to 77 be at its highest. In some cases, over 90% of African-Americans in communities would vote because they had the protection of the military. Once 1877 comes in and you've got uh, the, the um, kind of political um, agreement and negotiation between the North and the South for the military to leave, you don't have that military protecting African-Americans anymore. And you see uh, uh, the uh, rate for African-American voting dropped down to uh, nil in, in some cases, so, so zero, very small percentages, because of things like the Klan, the KKK, uh, uh, pressure to oppress the vote, um, scaring African-Americans to leave and maybe move north, literacy tests, um, where in some cases, you know, five-year-olds, five, fifth graders even, uh, were, um, were um, grading the literacy tests. Uh, and the whole idea was to keep the blacks from, from not voting or having poll taxes where African-Americans didn't have or couldn't get those jobs and um, couldn't afford a, to, to pay a poll tax. That's going to take us up to 1877 and then bring us up into the, uh, the next section, you know, it, which is industrialization of America and the Gilded Age. So any last thoughts for our students moving in as far as context from, you know, for the EOC going from 1877 now forward uh, when it comes to Reconstruction? What are we going to see from, let's say, African-Americans and minorities? Um, after this period, we're going to start to see the movement for more equality. You mentioned the Jim Crow laws, like grandfather. Uh, well, you didn't mention grandfather clauses. I mentioned no, that. No, I but did, poll, too. Grandfather clauses, poll taxes, all of those things. Uh, and segregation is such a huge part of the South. And even the North parts were segregated. So we're going to start to see a generation of black leaders like Booker T. Washington. Yes. Um, W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, and even later, Marcus Garvey, all these black leaders who are going to argue for equality, but they're going to have different different ways of looking at it, different methods and um, different philosophies of what their people should do in the Jim Crow South. Yeah. Uh, coming up, uh, we're going to be looking at that in future podcasts, but we've got couple of segments left to go we've got um history crush history crush uh you know don't give away anything yet and florida fruit fruit coming up so uh we'll see you guys on the other side of that Woo. and we're back miss velasquez we're here for the reconstruction version of history crush just a little reminder for those of you out there history crush is where one of us uh, has a crush on something, it's supposed to be somebody in history, right? Like somebody we're really interested in, somebody we really want to know more about. And uh, this week is Miss Velasquez's chance to uh, have that person uh, give us some clues, give me some clues, and I'm supposed to guess who the history crush this week is based in our time period. Is that right, Miss Velasquez? That's correct. Okay. What's our time period again? Did you 
base it off of any specific time period or just Reconstruction? This is Reconstruction. I mean, it, it spans from the 1850s through the 1870s. Okay, so that Civil War and Reconstruction. Civil War and Reconstruction, okay. So, who are we crushing on this week? <laughs> are you ready for your first clue? I am ready for my first clue. Okay. This person was a U.S. Senator from 1851 to 1874, and he headed the Senate Foreign Relations Committee from 1861 to 1871. All right, so 1854, they were a senator. Yes. So I'm gonna 51, sorry. 51 to 74. 51 to 74. So during the, or after the Compromise of 1850, during sectionalism, mm -hmm. during all of the Civil War time period, and into 71, you said? Mm hmm. All right, so before. 74. 74. All the way so, through with 74. Wow. So, so but before the end of the Compromise of 77. So this person has to be from the North because uh, all the senators in the South left, so they wouldn't be in that time period. So probably be a Northerner, probably be a radical Republican if you pick them. We have to be a radical Republican. And if you pick them if they're a radical Republican, it has to be somebody our kids have to know for the EOC, I would imagine. I've got a guess, but I'm not confident on it. I'm not quite confident. So are you going to guess, or do you should want I, the next clue? Should I guess, or should I, if I, I want, I want to be, I want to say who it is. I think I think based on one, I okay. want to say who it is. Is the sheriff? Is it Charles Sumner? It is. Ah, got oh. it. One, one clue. Dang it. One clue. Are you ready? My second clue. Yeah. What's your second clue? My second clue was that he identified as a radical Republican. He identified as a radical Republican. So he, okay. So, so said, you you would have gotten that. I would have probably gotten that one because I guessed it because again, how did I know? The time period it was continuous throughout the whole time period that he was a, a senator, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it had to be in the north. Most of the Northerners were radical Republicans who wanted abolition and wanted to punish the South after the Civil War. Very good. What was the third one? The third clue was he suffered from PTSD after being attacked on the Senate floor <laughs> with a rival senator's cane. That's a great clue. You had some great clues. I thought so, but you got it easily. So right. you know, well, you're just had, too smart. I had to think it. I had to think it out. You did. I'm not. I wasn't always this smart. I've learned history. You learned skills. <laughs> I learned skills. Thinking I had to, skills. Had to critically think. That's right. Interesting. I almost said Thaddeus Stevens. I was going to go with uh, him. Ah, so close. That would have been. That would have been another one. But I went with Sumner because Sumner, if you remember, was part of our story earlier with Hiram Revels. Yes. Sumner was a was a, someone who championed Hiram Revels uh, during his uh, uh, one to two years in office as a Mississippi senator, uh, the first senator uh, in um, Mississippi. Mississippi for for, for African Americans. Um, that's great. That's our that's our history crush today. Very good. You did a good job. Thank you very much. I appreciate your efforts as well. <laughs> Till next time. Who are you crushing Scott on? Got a butt. It's time for our next uh, edition of Florida Fru Fru. Today's Florida Fru Fru is about. Uh, well, it's in the 1880s, so it's a little bit after Reconstruction, but it's a result of Reconstruction. Reconstruction leads us into industrialism. My topic today is Henry B. Plant. Classic uh, Florida entrepreneur, landowner, yeah. you know, we know him. What else do you know about him, Mr. Oh, B? Oh, man, okay, so we know Henry B. Plant, a railroad guy. I mm -hmm. think he was, he's a northerner. He was originally, yeah. Massachusetts? Is that where he's from? Somewhere up there. I think he's from Massachusetts. And uh, uh, railroad time period, Vanderbilt time. Oh, there must have been a lot of railroad guys or something. He comes down and brings his railroad all the way down to Daytona-ish, mm -hmm. if I remember right. And then across through what is now Orlando into Tampa, stopping 
at where the, the museum is now, which is uh, UT. I was going to ask you about the, the museum. We'll talk about the hotel. Oh, I love the museum. It's great. Um, so Henry B. Plant was an investor in railroads, like Mr. D. just said, especially the South uh, during the 1850s and 1860s. However, after the Civil War in the 70s, he realizes that a lot of the railroads were destroyed. Um, the South is not doing well economically, so he's going to go down and rebuild the Southern Railroad lines. But he's also going to include steamships and hotels as part of his enterprise, and we call this the plant system. Um, he's going to go through, he's going to take his railroad through Tampa into what's now Plant City. Oh, yeah. Named plant after City. him. Exactly. There we go. Uh, the Tampa Bay Hotel is the most uh, famous thing that we have remaining from him. You've been there, right? At UT, University of Tampa's campus. Yeah, we went, uh, oh, they've got a museum, a Gilded Age museum right. uh, uh, there. All the, all the things there are um, from the time period and look as they did back in the, I think the early 1902 on, mm -hmm. somewhere around there is when it. I went on a field trip there in fifth grade. Oh, did you? I, yeah, I remember it. Like, I remember it more than any other field trip. Well, what, do you, what do you remember doing there? Uh, so it used to be a hotel. Now it's the Henry B. Plant Museum, but it was a hotel, and there was, like, a a fake hotel room. Not a fake hotel room, but right. they made it look like it did back, back, then, yeah. back then. And I just remember the only thing, the thing that sticks out to me in my mind is the mosquito nets over That's the right. beds. Yeah. Because they said there was no air conditioning. They had to keep the windows open, and so the mosquitoes would come and bite you all night sure. unless you had this net over the bed. And that... You know, fifth grade me, I was mm. like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. I never thought about a world where, you know, we couldn't close the windows and yeah. have AC and not get bitten up. Florida's a horrifying place. It really is. And what about the glass? Do you remember the glass in, in there? They have all the old, like the windows you look out in. No, don't care all, about that. They're all distorted, though. I just cared about bugs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they're distorted because there's lead in the glass. So oh, really? You can't, like, see through it like Ooh, glass pane today. That's scary. You don't want to touch the glass. Lead poisoning. And, yeah, lead poisoning. Um, and that that hotel cost three million dollars to build back then. So imagine what that is now. Oh uh, yeah, usually that's a lot of money. That's like that time, like twenty times that amount. Mm -hmm. And it was good. It was it improved the economy of Tampa and all the surrounding area because remember Tampa is on the water, so boats would come in, they could ship things off on the railroad, and people could stay at the hotel. And that's going to be super important during 1898. What happens in 1898? There's the a war. Spanish-American War, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the headquarters for the Spanish-American War is the Tampa Bay Hotel right. run by Henry B. Plant. And so that means Teddy Roosevelt stayed there. Yeah. That's Babe, awesome. Babe Ruth, too. That's, yes, that's he did. Yeah. yeah, but we don't care about him. We don't care about him yet because he's not alive. Well, he might be. Wait. Actually, he was alive. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't playing professionally yet. Yeah. So forget about him. Forget about him. Just kidding. Now. Don't forget about him. But he, but that one railroad. I mean, that's where you got to think. Most of the population at that before this was in the north part of Florida, mm -hmm. and this is going to bring it all to the central part. Most only the Seminole Indians are going to be even further south than this, or you know, uh, other than that, you're going to have cattle farming to the south, maybe sugarcane farming, but that's about it. Um, most of the city populations are only going to be as far south as Tampa. And, I mean, you would think And that Tampa was a nothing. Tampa was just, you know, yeah. a conglomerate of some people and, like you said, maybe some buildings, but... I mean, you had Ybor City at, at the time, right? Growing. The, century, growing. the cigar uh, factories. <laughs> but you would think a hotel, you know, should be over by the beach. Like, right. They, they weren't even thinking by the beach because... It's uh, on the river. Yeah, you, you got to put it by the river because uh, by the beach, no, nobody cares about the beach. It's too hot. It's far away. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, who's going to go there? Interesting. 
So important. Henry B. Plant indus- helped industrialize Florida. Plant City is named after him. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. You, you got two. We're in between two railroad stations. So that's where they got us. That's why as you're driving through here, you see all the trains. We still need those locations in order to move materials and people. Um, and wasn't Flagler one of the other ones? In this Flagler time? was the other one. The reason I didn't include him is because he's a little bit later. Yeah. Um, he's at his peak a little bit later into the Gilded Age. So, okay. you know, I thought this was more appropriate. It's much more appropriate. Yeah. But uh, going back to Plant City, I wrote this down because I thought it was important. 1885 is when Plant City is incorporated, mm-hmm. becomes like an official city. Guess how many people lived here? 1885. Um, I'm going to say 350. Boy, you looked at my paper. I did not look at your it's paper. 350. Look, did I wrote really? it down. You cheated. I did not. Swear to God, I didn't look at You're it. You're great. Swear you have a lot go. of good luck today. I, I do. Today, is, karma is mine. <laughs> <laughs> it was 350 people. That's oh, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, and probably some of our students might have been relatives of those original 350. Wow. Interesting. So if you are one, do some research. Do some history. And tweet us. Yeah, tweet us at history scuttle and follow us on itunes and all places that are downloadable content can be found for podcasts what i'm trying to use the real language of the you, you know, got the good internet lingo the internet like the internets that's right i love the internets <laughs> well this has been another great florida frou-frou for american scuttlebutt we'll see you guys next time scuttlebutt <laughs>